Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. faithful. God has been very, very faithful. So today we're going to continue our message series. Uh, and uh, I want to start with prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you today. Thank you for your loving kindness, your tender mercy. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word is powerful. Your word can heal. Your word can provide direction. Your word can provide uh, comfort. Your word can provide healing. And we pray that you will speak your word today with power in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Today I'm going to speak. uh, It's going to be part three, but I'm really going to segue a little bit. So forgive me if I'm a little over the place today. That's because I am truly all over the place in my mind uh, because I really want to speak about what is going on in our country. Uh, uh, you know, very, very difficult to address, but I feel like it's needed. Uh, and we need to address this issue as children of God to look at how we should respond uh, and to look to the Word of God to guide us and direct us. Uh, so it's still going to be part three of our lessons from, pandem- on the, from the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, the third lesson. And that lesson is crisis is a great revealer. Crisis is a great revealer. I actually posted this a few weeks ago or so on, uh, on Facebook. The coronavirus has not done much of changing, but of revealing. It has revealed the condition of our homes, our marriages. It has, cons- it has revealed to many of us the condition of our hearts. For some of us, the condition of our churches. It has revealed, you know, what is going on. And that's what crisis does, really. Crisis come into our life. Uh, it doesn't matter where they come from, uh, from the enemy, from God, we cause them. Usually what crisis does is to reveal to us, you know, what we are made of. In fact, Jesus told us this in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Jesus told us a parable of how we build our house. And he talked about two set of people. One person that built their house on a rock, and the other person will build their house on a sand, or on sand, rather. And he said, we won't know, really, the condition of the building unless there's a crisis. So in verse 25, Jesus described the crisis by saying, the rain descended, the flood came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, 
for it was founded on the rock. I hope that has been your experience. I hope as we have faced this pandemic, even though the winds blew, <laughs> flood came, I hope you met your house, which could mean your heart, which could also mean your, the state of your finances, which could also mean your emotional state for, for some of us. I hope he found you built on a solid rock and you are still standing. Jesus described another set of group. He said, the rain descended, the same thing happened. The flood came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was his fall. Uh, you know, so rain, storm of life always revealed what was already there. And it has revealed the condition of, you know, what we are built on. So many churches can survive this simply because it wasn't built on the right reason. If a church is built on sensation, emotionalism, people can survive. I am amazed about the fact that our church has thrived even inside this pandemic. I think I can say humbly, happily, that the rain came, the flood came, beat on the house of Agape House, and it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. The rock is the principle of God because Jesus is talking about building on the word of God. When our life is built on principles, not just sensationalism, and this is going to be applicable to every aspect of our life. We're going to talk about this. Because a lot of time, many of us, when things are good, we abandon the principles of God. You know, we hear about, for example, how should we manage our finances? You know, we hear all these financial talk, say, you know, have uh, three months of your of your worth of living expenses. You say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's never going to happen. Now, storm came. How did you feel? Many of you, you were shaking because you know <laughs> two weeks. You know what happened in America? By first week in April, 40% of people could not pay their rent. That is missing two weeks of job, of work. One paycheck. That's a great revealer. That's a great revelation that this is supposed to be the richest country in the world. If you judge by the cars we drive, <laughs> what, you know, how, you know, clothes that we wear, shoes, I mean, almost everywhere universal. In America today, you would not say these are poor people. If you take a picture anywhere in America, even the worst place in America, compared to many other places in the world, two weeks of no job, people can pay their rent. People can pay their mortgages. You might say whatever, but it reveals that we have an appearance, but the foundation is not that solid. We are not building our life on principles. And that's very, very important. Even for our nation as a whole, it reveals a lot. It reveals, like, uh, it reveals that we are not as strong as we think. We are not as great as we think. Our systems are not as, as foolproof as it should be. And it has revealed. Now, 
it's not always just what it reveals that is important. Um, and I, want, I don't want you to feel bad too much that, wow, I think I failed. No, it is what you do with what is revealed. For all of us, I think we're going to say, hey, I think I did well in this area. This revealed that I can actually stand on my own, that I can actually survive as a Christian. For some of us, maybe you realize for the first time, I don't always need the pastor to pray for me. I mean, I, don't, I can actually survive as a Christian on my own. Uh, you know, but maybe for some of us, you discover there are some areas where you were weak. Now you do something about that. You know, that will be the benefit of the crisis. Praise the name of Jesus. So, over the last few weeks, we've also discovered this has revealed a lot of injustice in our country. You know, four weeks ago or so is when data started to talk about how this has disproportionately affected the minority community, African-American, Hispanic-American, disproportionately. Not because coronavirus is a racist, racist virus, no, but simply because there was many factors, of course, I'm not trying to blame everything on uh, racism, but there were structural injustice, imbalance, you know, in our society that makes certain group of people, minority, exposed and more vulnerable, not just exposure, but also, uh, you know, more, uh, more likely to even die from it, you know, which has been very, very depressing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just watching and hearing. Now, on top of that, we've had exposure of serious injustice that I believe has been going on in our nation for many, many years. You know, that has come up. I think it started about three, four weeks ago about the revelation of Ahmad Aubrey, the 25-year-old jogger in Georgia, who was gone down just like an animal, you know. I mean, no matter how you look at it, you know, they confronted him, whatever, you got into a fight. I mean, two young men cannot be fighting, and how you settle it is with a gun. I mean, that's, that's just insane. I mean, uh, even where I come from, two, 20-something, you know, two young men, just fight. You fight it out. Whoever wins, wins. I mean, that's, let's even say, just on the common, on the common uh, face of it. Two people can just be fighting and you say, you know what, I'm just going to shoot him down. Something is going on in the mind there. And we saw that revelation. And that has been playing out. The people were not arrested until, obviously, the video came out. Now, it looks like there might be some form of justice there. Then a few days ago, another video came out, which is to me actually the most, the most depressing one, is the, the investment banker lady in Central Park. I mean, of everyone, is very, very depressing because sometimes it shows how some people 
think, all right? You know, they, 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 this is somebody that, on the face of it, looks harmless. You know, just because you are challenged for doing what is wrong by a black man, then you said, I am going to call the police on you and I'm going to tell them an African-American is threatening me and my dog. I mean, where did that come from? And actually, she did it right there on camera. It's like a drama. It's like you're watching a movie. I'm going to do this. And she did it. And that started to play out. Same day, I think, the killing of George Floyd, just on camera. You know, just, we just watch, I think, a nine-minute video, very hard to watch, extremely, extremely hard to watch, of someone just being choked to death just because you are being arrested over a $20 dispute or $20, you know, a fake Fake dollar. That hasn't even been proven yet that it was done, whether it happened or it was done deliberately. So it, it, these are powerful revelations that are just coming out on the, you know, against the backdrop of the revelation of how weak the foundation of the nation is. And I feel like I'm just going to talk to that a little bit, especially for the sake of our young people. And I believe you're watching young kids walking, watching from home. I want you to listen to this carefully because I want to address this as far as how it affects you. Very, very important. I'm going to read a scripture, Psalm 89, verse 14. Psalm 89, verse 14. Psalm 89, verse 14. All right. So I'll read. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. I want you to notice the two words I'm going to talk about is righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Those two words are very, very important. They talk about God's attributes they are like two sides of the same coin. You know, that God is a God of righteousness, but God is also a God of justice. You know, that God cares about right, rightness. But generally, righteousness tends to talk about a morality issue. God cares about us living righteous. God cares about us doing what is right. That's, that's just how to simply to look at it. You know, cares about doing what is right. But also, God cares about justice. You know, especially in America, you know, we, we, because of the polarization of everything in America, political polarization, whether you are right, you are left, you know, Republican, Democrat, there tend to be emphasis on one of this. If you're on the right, you know, the emphasis tends to be on righteousness. All right? That God cares about righteousness. God cares about, you know, 
you know, issues of immorality, issues of abortion, homosexuality, issues of, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, just, you know, we don't care about God in our, you know, remove our prayer from schools and all those things that just, you know, we care about that. Uh, the other issue, we don't really think they're that important. You know, so if you're someone on the right, they're likely going to say, you know, this is not as important. The most important thing God cares about is immorality in our nation. And we just want to get our nation back to a good moral standing. Uh, on the other side, if you're on the left, you're likely going to say, you know, God doesn't care about those. Those are personal choices. God doesn't care about abortion. God doesn't care about issue of immorality, issue of homosexuality. What God cares about is justice. There's a lot of injustice being done in our nation. There's a lot of, you know, racial inequality in our nation. There's a lot of, uh, you know, pro police brutality, uh, you know, rights of women, rights of immigrants, things like that. You say this is, this is what we should care about, you know. So there, even in the church, there's a huge division, and people think, it has to be either or. When you look at this, the Bible says righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. So God cares about those two. And as believers, we must care about that, those for our nation. We cannot allow political division, you know, whether you are conservative by your political leanings, whether you are Libra by your political leaning, that does not, if you're a child of God, that's what I'm talking about. That should not be what you should care about. You should be broken by unrighteousness in our land. You shouldn't excuse it. You should be hurt that as a nation we condone all forms of immorality, but you should also be broken as a nation that we also condone inequality, injustice, and we must do something about that. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, I want to talk to what is going on now, and I have a few points I'm going to talk about, and I'm hoping this will help some people. I believe God is behind these revelations. I quoted, I, I cited these three, three cases, and I believe that God is really doing it at a time when we can all really pay attention. At other times, many people will probably not even look. We're too busy working. We're too busy living our life, trying to make money between two, three jobs. Some people will see it. Some people will not. You know. But I think God set us up so we can see that there's a lot of you know, injustice going on. Because when God wants to fix something... He, first of all, exposes it. So for those of us that are saying, oh, why, why does this have to happen? No, this has been happening. All right? God is exposing it. You know, there's been a lot of, you know, this is how some people feel. Now, this is not to say every white person feels like that in America. We must avoid that as well. This is not to say every police officer is a racist person. No, that's not. But there are enough people who have this kind of feeling for us to do something about it. That's what it means. There are enough people out there 
and they are more than what we think, right? And that is what God wants to reveal, not just to the black community, because I think the black community already knows, they already knows that, but to the whole world. Now it's clear now. I don't know about you, almost for the first time, I've lived in the United States since 1998, so it's going on 22 years. I've seen a lot of this, you know, racism issue, uh, you know, uh, police brutality issues. It has never been this clear cut. It has never been this universal in this condemnation. That is what I'm talking about. Whether you look at Fox News, whether you look at MSNBC, there was clear condemnation because it was obvious. It, even police forces all across the country condemned it. Republican condemned it. Democrat condemned it. It was so clear. So I believe God really set this up. The issue that happened, in, and it happened on the same day. One in Minnesota, one in New York. All right? One by a man, the other by a woman, right? One by police, another by an investment banker. I mean, just, just they can be two, two different circumstances, two different people, you know, you see that? So God is exposing it. And I will read a few verses. Obviously, in Genesis chapter 1, we know when God wants to fix something, he brings light, all right? The Bible says the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was all over the surface of the deep. The spirit of the Lord was hovering the, uh, over the waters. And God said, let there be light. So when God wants to fix, he exposes. He shed his light. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13 says, It is shameful even to mention that the disobedient, what the disobedient do in secret. It is shameful. But everything exposed by light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So this was exposed by God. Praise the name of Jesus. And I want us to, if you feel so bad, I want you to take courage in that. All right? Now, exposure is always painful. Watching it is painful. Very, very painful. I mean, just like many things. You know, you have wounds. Wounds must be exposed, you know, to be able to heal, to be able to bring, ap apply the balm. So God is exposing this. Praise the name of Jesus. So if you're a young person wondering why did this happen, no, this has been happening. God is exposing it so that the whole world can see, so that healing can begin, so that solution can begin. And I believe that we are closer to solution than before in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what I want to say next is we must be careful the lesson you take away from it. So if you're a young black man looking at me, I want you to be very, very careful because the enemy is very crafty. You must reject the enemy's message from what we are seeing here. You know, the racist message is to let tell you your value comes from me. You know, that's, that's the whole essence of racism. Racists, in their mind, conclude that you are valueless, right? And I'm going to show you you're valueless. Now, 
it becomes a psychological warfare, not just the physical warfare. You see, the treatment of a black person, you know, squeezing that guy because you can do it, is to send a message to every black man out there that that's really your value. And if you accept that message in your mind, get what happened to you. Go through your life thinking you're valueless. And that's very, very important. I want you as a young man, young woman, black person looking at me, if you are a child of God, you must reject that message by saying your value comes from God and not from another man. I want to remind you that that's the same thing they did to Jesus. They devalued him, right? You know, they actually put Jesus, I mean, a child of God, compare him to a, a criminal, right? And they said, can you pick one that we should free? And they said, this one is worse. Pick the worst person. This person is worse than this criminal. I mean, that's, that's always what the enemy does. The same thing happened to children of Israel in Egypt. The Egyptian wanted to show them that you are less valuable than us. So we're going to enslave you. But as far as God is concerned, Israelite are more valuable than the Egyptian. I mean, that's, they are the one with the promise. They are the one with the God, you know, the God of the universe. They are the one that God has a covenant with. Egyptian had no covenant with God. But Egyptians set out to devalue the Israelites. But Israelites refused to accept. I mean, they accepted it for many years. They accepted it. Accepted the devaluation for many, many years. But I think they rose up and said, you know what? We are more than this. We are not going to let the Egyptian determine how valuable we are. So if you're a young man there, you must reject that. Never feel less valuable. Never accept the message of the enemy. Is the enemy using that? And that's why a lot of black men just say, you know, who are we? They don't even try in life. A lot of young black men don't even try to be anything because what is that going to be? Who is going to do this to me? Devaluation always leads to self-destruction. You see, people who accept less value always apply themselves less in life. They always make wrong choices in life. So it's a psychological warfare that you must refuse and reject. As a young man or woman growing up, black, anywhere in the world, especially in America today, because those are my primary audience. Praise the name of Jesus. Number three, this is a lesson for us to care about injustice regardless of where it's being perpetrated, regardless of the object of injustice. Because, you see, many of us, and I really want to say this, injustice is everywhere. You know, injustice is not confined to America. In fact, it is more prominent in America because there is a freedom to expose it and to talk about it. I mean, I mean, go ask 
those 500 girls that were kidnapped in Nigeria, nothing happened. Nothing seriously happened. The government, I mean, just, it just, just disappeared. I mean, that could not have happened in America. If you go to the Middle East, minority groups, if you go to India, minority groups are being harassed, killed, destroyed. Nobody could do anything. Oh, there is a lot of injustice going everywhere. Even in our nation, there has been injustice. So we must, all of us, care about this issue of injustice regardless of where the perpetrator is. Because what generally what happens is we care about it when we are the object of it. All right? I've talked to men who don't really care when you talk about injustice happening to women. They don't really care about it. But that's real. You know, that is a, you know, that is a real issue. Do you know, you know, when, you know, when the women movement, uh, you know, Me Too movement, uh, all these other, you know, a lot of men, you don't have to agree with their tactics, but you have to really re agree that the issues are real. Women are going through stuff, all right? You know, young women are being treated in a lot of ways by men in power all over, all over the world. It is, it is not equal. And if you're a man and you say, oh, no, 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 it's just this, it's just this, and you don't think it is important, so you are okay with injustice, right? directed by certain group of people, you know, then, but when it's directed to you. So what I'm trying to say is injustice is everywhere. So we all must care about this issue everywhere we find ourselves, especially in your area of influence. When you see someone being treated unfairly, you, you keep quiet. Do you say something or do you say, you know what, it's not me, and walk away, you know? And, and that's, that's, that's what we are seeing here. And that, that has been the problem in America, really, in, in, in essence, that you have a whole group of people who don't say much because they are not the one being mistreated. And that's why we've had this going on, going on really for a very long time. This will have stopped because... Usually, the victim don't have much power to fight for themselves. You know, it's almost everywhere. Not much power in most society. It takes the privilege to join the fight. And that's probably one of the things that was unique about, that is unique about what is going on now, right? That now it appears there is a greater movement. And that's what happened to the civil rights. The civil rights succeeded because you now have the larger population, right? Teaming up with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the movement to really bring about some change. But you yourself, listening to me, every one of us, we, find, we will find ourselves in a privileged position, all right? You will witness someone else being discriminated against, being treated unfairly in a small way, whether you're at school, someone being bullied, and you look away. You know, whether at work, 
someone being mistreated and you look away. Even in church, someone being unfairly mistreated and you look away. So the issue of injustice is something all of us must care about. Isaiah 58 verse 6 says, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To lose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. He's saying, this is the fast I'm calling you, and this is a message to us as the church, that we must begin to care about injustice, you know, everywhere. Praise the name of Jesus. Next point I'm going to raise. I have a few more points, and we're going to close. Personal revenge is not the answer. All right? Personal revenge is, is not the answer. And we must make sure we understand, and I think it's always good, to the, what you're trying to seek is not personal revenge. Standing up against injustice is not equal to seeking personal revenge. Very important. And it looks like a lot of our young people are actually very good. I was talking to my children yesterday. I was having conversation about this. And I asked, how does this make you to feel about your white friends? And they said, you know what, I, we can separate that. I'm not going to dislike or hate my friend just because of what, you know, I know that this, is, this person is just evil. Of course, there are evil all over the country. But so let's make sure that we can we can distinguish that within our minds, all right? We, we're able to know that it's not every white person, it's not every police officer, but the ones that are bad, we must call them out. And I think if we learn to really address this better, there can be success, amen. So personal revenge is not the answer. Uh, don't go around and be, you know, uh, you know, saying things or mean things or, you know, take your personal revenge against every other person or people you know because it is scripture. You can say, oh, yeah, 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 pastor, stop there, stop there. What do you mean? We have to, no, 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 that is not a godly way, all right? And I'll read Romans chapter 12, verse 19 and 20. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 and 20. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coal on his head. Now, God is the avenger. Now, obviously, there are two applications. There's always personal aspect of every issue, and there's always a global or systemic aspect, all right? And I believe God has called some people to address this thing at a global level, a structural issue. Not all of us have that kind of platform to do that, right? Not all of us are in places of influence, places of power. And if anyone is in a place of power listening to, listening to this, God has called you to that, and you must do something about that. But on a personal level, God is saying, it's not up to you as a person to take revenge, all right? It's not up to you. You must leave it to God 
Because God is, I believe God is, what is going on in our country today? All right? No matter how you feel about it, you know, we were talking about this yesterday in my house, you know. You know, no matter how you feel about, you know, the looting, the riot, the everything. I say, you know, I have my feelings about that. Obviously, I, I just uh, don't like seeing people loot, uh, you know. But I think something at the back of my mind just says, yeah, I think God is causing all this to work together. Because sometimes things just have to go down completely before it is fixed. You know, things are just after. I mean, this is just telling us <laughs> lawlessness is everywhere. All right? Whether lawlessness by police, lawlessness by police will cause lawlessness by the citizen. I mean, just, just, so it doesn't mean I will participate in that lawlessness. It doesn't mean I'm even endorsing, you know, someone looting another person's store. I'm not. And I'm against that in every way. But I think I recognize, and I believe that is actually my spiritual eye, you know, as a man of God, looking at that, I could see God causing all this, to be honest with you, because this must be fixed. Praise the name of Jesus. So I think there is... So this is not a call for personal event. This is just a commentary on what I see going on because this must be addressed. It's time to address it. We've addressed a lot of issues as a nation. We've addressed a lot of major issues, but this must be addressed. Praise the name of Jesus. And in my mind, I believe that God has put everyone in place of power today, regardless of how you feel about them. And, and I want you, sometimes as a child of God, you must learn to look at things from a spiritual dimension. Things can, the way things appear to you might be different from what is really happening down the line. I really believe everybody in place of power, including the president, has been placed there for this moment. People in Congress now, the governors of those states, everybody there, God has set all this and something will come out of. There will be progress. It doesn't mean the problem will be solved completely, but there will be progress in Jesus' name. Amen. But you as a person must hold out hope. All right? You don't give up. You don't say, oh, yeah, you know, that's it. Uh, this is never going to change. It is going to change. It is better than it was 50 years ago, 60 years ago, right? I mean, we might not like to admit that, but I don't think you want to go back to America of 60 years ago, if you want to be honest with yourself, right? So, and this is another tipping point that is going to lead to another set of change in Jesus' name. And I believe that what is going on is also as a result of prayer, prayer of some people, prayer crying for justice. And we must continue that prayer that God will avenge the suffering in our society, in Jesus' name. My last statement, I'm speaking to everybody, but primarily I'm speaking to the young people in our midst, all right? Because you, I know you need this. You need direction. The best revenge is success, all right? You must determine to succeed despite your adversary. You see, we, we just finished studying the book of Acts in our family. 
I mean, we've been doing in-depth Bible study of different books. I don't know. For some reason, we just decided, let's study the book of our chapter by chapter. One chapter a day, we spend, we read it together, we discuss it. <laughs> One thing you will, you will be, I mean, I've read the book of our several times, so this is not something new, but it's refreshing to know that the church that we have today <laughs> succeeded against opposition. And I'm talking about serious opposition everywhere. Killing, destruction. I mean, the way they were slaughtering the early Christians. I mean, like, they, you know, there was, they were slaughtered, they were killed, they were in prison. All right? Apostle Paul was leading that. He himself got convicted by God, changed. You would think that would change the persecution. Now, he became the persecutor. You know, was in prison everywhere, nowhere to turn to. No, but they had God. All right? Praise the name of Jesus. And they were determined to succeed. All right? I want to tell you, if you're listening to me, if you're a child of God, you have God on your side. And with him, no limit. Doesn't matter what... The society, what limits somebody think they put on you? Children of God, we are like wind. We are unstoppable. We move at the space of the light of the Holy Spirit. Nothing can stop you. Nothing can hinder you. Not even a racist boss, a racist teacher, a racist society is enough to stop what God has planned for you. Praise the name of Jesus. So don't just give in and say, oh, yeah, it's the end. No, no, it's not the end for you. You are born to succeed, and succeed you will in Jesus' name. The Bible says, I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or gainsay. No. No one will be able to resist you. No one will be able to stop you. So be determined as a person to succeed, and that's the best revenge you have. Uh, you know, that's the best revenge that you have. And parents, you got to be careful the language you say to your parents, I mean to your children. Be careful. Be careful. We don't, we shouldn't raise our children to be ethnic-centric, all right? As, as really as, you know, black people, we must be ethnic conscious, right? Because, you know, we, that's who we are. I mean, so you're, I'm not trying to run away from being black. I'm not trying to run away from being Nigerian. I'm not trying to change my accents just to talk certain ways so people don't know who I am. No, 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 no. I am authentic. I'm real. I'm not trying to be like any other person, all right? God made me. I'm excited. I'm happy. He made me that way. I have this conversation with my children all the time. They say, look, God made you the way you made in fact, we were studying the book of Acts. We got to, I believe, chapter 21 or so. And the Bible says God created, God determined our, our boundary of habitation. And it de determines our place in history. So we are all created uniquely by God. And we discussed that, you know. But my identity does not come from my blackness, you know. I mean, there are people, that's their identity, that's fine. If they choose that, that's that. But if you're a child of God, 
being a child of God means you are dead and your life is now hid with Christ in God. That the root of your identity, right, is from Christ. It's not from your skin color. It's not from where you're from. It's not from all those things. You know, it's not from that. All right? Because if you base it on that, all right, you're going to get crushed easily. You're going you're to get crushed easily. Right? So, parents, let's... You know, I know you're angry. You're saying, oh, my black boy, my this, my that. You're having all this conversation that might really give your children an impression that is not right. So you need to control that conversation in your home to let them know that nothing can stop. Are there practical things we need to tell them about how to behave themselves? Yes. You know, practical things. But I think the most important thing is the psychological thing, what is going on in our mind, how we see ourselves how we view ourselves, how a child grows up to see himself. That's the most important thing. And if you're a child of God, you see yourself primarily as someone driven by their identity in Christ. Praise the name of Jesus. So young people, that's what I want you to go by. And I pray that God will use this word to encourage you, hopefully answer some of your questions, or hopefully at least give you some framework to look at things so you can move ahead in Jesus' name. So, Father, I thank you for this word. I pray that this word will not come back to you void. This word will bless every listener. This word will encourage. This word will, uh, will just lift up people. And this word will empower us to really go forward and to live the life that God has called us to live. In Jesus' name. If you're looking at me and you have not given your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you in Jesus' name to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And if that's what you want to do, I want you to please place your hands on your chest as I pray with you. I want you to say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sin. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me a child of God today. Give me a new name and write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision,